Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode three of AINC's Volunteer Spotlight, brought to you, of course, by AINC. I'm your host, Evan Starnes, and today we have a really, really exciting guest and a pretty new one, actually. Um, and he is the reader of the Colorado Outdoors magazine, and he's been a volunteer. You've been a volunteer since August 2022. Yeah. And he's a very professional and very, like, his audio quality is super amazing. So I'm super pumped and excited to have him on the show. This is John Arnold. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I figured we'd start the show off with some fun questions, you know, to spice up the show, as I say. So what is your favorite hot drink? Uh, Probably like a lot of people. Coffee is my partially my blood. Um, so it, that'd be coffee, espresso specifically. Right on. And, uh, do you make your own espresso or do you prefer to go get it from somewhere? I'd like to say I make it, but really all I do is push a button at home and it comes out espresso. Right. Well, that's awesome. I honestly, I have to agree. Coffee, actually, I mean, I was just drinking it and it's kind of part of the reason I'm not, you know, falling asleep right now. It's essential to modern life, I think. It really is. Um, I mean, I kind of tend to prefer, I like espresso. I prefer it, but it's... Um, you know, it's hard to come by sometimes because we only have one of those single-serve machines. So, um, next up, um, given the choice between the two, would you prefer to go skiing or snowboarding? Um, prior to injuring my knee, uh, right at the outset of the pandemic, it was snowboarding, but I did both. Nice. Do you find snowboarding to be easier or harder than skiing? I don't know. They're equal. They both have their challenges. I think the snowboarding was just a little bit funner to me as someone who grew up in the 80s and was riding a skateboard all around. Yeah. I I prefer skiing personally, but um, I've done both as well, and I've kind of enjoyed... I I like snowboarding. You just have to have a lot more control, and you have to be a lot more attentive to what your feet are doing and stuff like that. Definitely choosing the mountain makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. All right, so those those were the, definitely the fun questions. Moving on to the unfun questions. Moving on to the unfun questions, indeed. So I'd like to know, first of all, how did you get started with the Audio Information Network? How did you hear about us? And, like, what made you decide you wanted to volunteer for AINC? Well, like many people, I sat on my butt for most of the pandemic and really was not that productive outside of my own employment. Uh, but... I previously, in my previous appointment for the University of Colorado, produced a podcast with the Vice President for Communication and then later other other hosts um, called See You on the Air. So I was very interested in audio, also having a background in music. I was doing a lot of digital music during the pandemic. And, uh, well, sometime in the summer last year, towards the end of the summer, I'm like, I would really like to find some type of volunteer opportunity. And and I didn't really start out um, knowing even anything about it. It was really just general Google searches about volunteer opportunities in Boulder. I live in Boulder here, so was really looking maybe for something for the unhoused or something along those lines. But I saw this and someone who loves to read, and I certainly spent a lot of time uh, reading to a young child. I have a 17-year-old daughter. So I thought, thought that this would – and I love, I love uh, technical things. I love – uh, I love gear, so I'm kind of a gearhead in that way. And so this really lined up very, very nicely. It's not a huge uh, amount of time. I usually take about three hours a week to do this. So it's 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 the right amount of time I actually have, and it's something I'm really enjoying. As soon as the 
deeper I got into it, the more I learned I could really enjoy this. And especially given what I'm reading, I, I enjoy that quite a bit, talking about conservation, talking about the outdoors, that kind of stuff. It's really near and dear to my own heart. And so I think just getting into that, it really, it certainly helps my read when I'm reading something I enjoy. But yeah, finding the AINC was uh, certainly just a whole new world that opened up for me. I'm glad to hear that. Um, when you first auditioned for us, how'd you feel? Like, were you nervous? Or a lot of people have been nervous, so I'd like to know. Anytime you see the word audition, I immediately get nervous. But, and then uh, it was amped up uh, a few degrees when I actually read the audition. It was, it looked quite challenging and on the outset, I think. You know, some of the things were quite technical, and uh, I think uh, it, it was, it's certainly a good uh, screening uh, tool, I'll say that, um, because it, it will separate the people who are motivated to do a, a job like this and the ones who are just like, oh, I like to read into a telephone or something. So, and also just the, you know, what was needed for that. I thought that was certainly a, a, an effective uh, weeding out tool, I guess. It was, it was a challenge. But yes, it was, it certainly brought the nerves up as I started to do it. And I'd have to, I would definitely have to agree about the audition because there are a lot of abbreviations and a lot of, I mean, there's an example where, you know, it says like $13.2.75. That's something you normally don't read every day. And I mean, for people that haven't read the audition before, if you're not a volunteer, um, I mean, there is, you know, there are two articles with a lot of big words. I mean, there's um, the second article, there's a lot of foreign language names like Kiksht and stuff like that. And then there's a word list of about 26 words, and they're pretty unusual. Like, I mean, there's words that I had never even known the name of, like exigency or voracious. Like, I'd never used these words before. So it, it threw me for a loop when I first saw the audition. But yeah, I was trying not to uh, scare off anybody, but yeah, it could be difficult. I think uh, there was a major part of talking about the tribes of the Pacific Northwest, yep. as well as uh, starting to figure. A fuel economy for an e-car. How do you compare the two? Those things can be really difficult and formulaic stuff. And you're right, talking exactly about these numbers and how we express them vocally, I think it's really opened my eyes, certainly, and just like what I'm reading and how it's conveyed. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I don't think you scared anybody off at all, but um, definitely I think the biggest thing that people really got to have in their heads when they read this audition is just to relax and don't overthink it because a lot of people do and they'll kind of rush. So I'd, I'd like to take the focus back to your program, Colorado Outdoors. So um, when you first got assigned that show, was it just like, were they, was it basically like you're just reading the Colorado Outdoors magazine or was it more of like a free flowing, like, you know, pick what you want to read as long as it's related to Colorado and the outdoors? It started that way. Yeah. Cause they had a couple back issues we were ready to read. So those first maybe a month or two, I was just reading copyright out of the magazines, the publication. But I quickly, it's, a, it's an every other month publication, so I had to quickly discover their website, and they do write articles on their website. I stick with the Colorado Department of Wildlife because that's really what Colorado Outdoors magazine is covering, and that's, that's who runs the publication. But uh, now, now we're in the swing of things. I really do end up... Um, researching the articles, finding the articles I think are, 
are seasonal. I'm really looking for the seasonal things given the topic of outdoors in, in Colorado. And it's, it covers everything from hunting, fishing, bird watching, and certainly the conservation aspect of it all. But it also has survival things. How to, you know, when, when is the best time to, uh, when is the best time to do things, uh, fish in certain locations. Absolutely. I've actually gotten a lot of useful information about like, you know, where you should fish and why it's a good idea to fish in certain areas versus not, you know, if that makes sense. And just stuff that you normally don't think about when you go outdoors. You just, most people, when they go outdoors, they just think about well, going outdoors. They don't think about all of the like small details involved and the do's and the don'ts, basically. Um, I mean, you're totally right about that. It, the people don't, I, I didn't realize, certainly a big education for me was, learning that how much intervention is needed to keep fish, to keep deer, to keep elk out there and herds thriving in Colorado. It takes, it's not just Colorado. We work with Wyoming, New Mexico, Utah yeah. um, to get healthy, healthy uh, livestock, or I should say wildlife inside the state of Colorado. And that's in the water and on the land. Definitely. And the air, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, out of all the shows you've read, is there a particular article or edition of a magazine that you've read that really stood out to you in any way? Yeah, just this recent one I read um, was a, maybe a couple of weeks ago, but it was having to do with exclusivity or inclusivity in the outdoors, um, meaning why are not all of the citizens of Colorado feel like they can use this? Is it open to every type of person in Colorado? Would you feel comfortable as a young African-American going into Rocky Mountain National Park to go hiking? Is it comfortable on the trails? I think that's one aspect that's kind of left out of this is kind of not just not just everybody getting out, which the pandemic has brought on a huge influx of people using our outdoors and all of our parks. But the peep, the kind of people out there, we really want to, I think, this, certainly the Colorado Division of Wildlife appears to really be making great strides in that area of inclusivity and uh, diversity. Definitely. Well, I'm going to go ahead and switch focus over now to the audio and technical side of things, because we all love talking about that, myself included. Um, so for long, I say long time, for listeners of the original volunteer spotlight you might remember you know we we've had a huge kind of a very diverse range of volunteers i mean we have volunteers like emily that um reads the human health program um she you know she just records on a laundry basket in her clothing closet because it's nice and dampened and it sounds pretty good um I'd like to know what exactly, like, what it would, what is your recording space like? And um, get as technical as you want. What hardware do you use to record? Sure. Well, like I say, I initially had been doing digital audio recording for music. And so I already had a Scarlett Focusrite um, 2, oh, you nice. know, just a single uh, XLR and a quarter, quarter inch, inch input. Yeah. And it also has, um, some preamps in there. So I was using that with a Shure SM58, which is, you know, a just a workhorse of a row of a stage microphone. Yes. And uh, I got a quick uh, cloud lifter, pre-lifter for that, and I was off to the races. Yeah. I mean, it, I, like I said in the beginning, I mean, the audio quality sounds like something you hear out of like a 
a recording studio for something like listening library and like an audiobook. I mean, it is. So that so the recording component for me is just is really just half the equation. Yeah, I, it's uh, the second part is the editing and and uh, mastering of it all. I think that that really makes a big difference for cleaning up any excess noise, and certainly the editing portion is going to clean up my terrible reading skills. <laughs> so I believe that uh, uh, it's certainly and, I, and and I've I've gone above now to to kind of quiet and dampen my room with uh with moving blankets and and the like and some um noise reflective panels that i've had that i've already kind of were using again for the music thing because uh over the pandemic i'd moved drums in there and i've moved you know guitars and so it's just one of those things and you've got to you've got to control the sound or you're going to have bleed through and problems everywhere yes absolutely but really it's the it's it's the editing and mastering that can do a whole lot for you. And I know that one of the things that technology is going to be bringing to us, and we've already seen it with this Adobe AI uh, podcast component, which is it can take pretty poor audio and do a really good job of cleaning it up. Um, I've just been – I normally record into Adobe Audition, but I've just recently started to use uh, Logic. I'm sorry. Nice. Just this week, I say, it's my very first time using Logic. And I'm so comfortable with using Audition. It, it's still a learning curve for me uh, with Logic, but I'm really enjoying it. And I certainly, uh, I'm only using just one little 1% of its, its overall power for sure. As a fellow Logic user, I totally appreciate hearing that. And you're, so you're a Mac guy too, obviously. Uh, I use both, but yeah, I, my main computer at home is a Mac. I record into a Mac. They're honestly, for any volunteers out there looking to get a new computer, if you want to get into the audio production, Mac is, in my opinion, the way to go. Unless you want to mess with things like Reaper and stuff. I'm not, I, I have a hard time recommending that because, I mean, it's, there's a lot more setup involved. Logic and even GarageBand is a lot more plug and play. And just, uh, it's so much easier to just set up your Mac, plug in your mic, and then you're ready to go. You just got to level everything. And that is a good point is there is a lot more to audio production than just making the recording. You know, you got to do noise reduction if you have a lot of, you know, if you're using a, a particularly hissy sounding mic or, you know, if you're like we are at AINC, you know, fortunately, this studio is very, it, it's far away enough from our server fans and stuff. But I have recorded in the past and, you know, we've had to filter that stuff out because nobody wants to hear humming servers and stuff in the background of their show at all. Um, you mentioned yeah. musical instruments. Sorry, yeah, that was the next natural progression for me. Logic yeah, was because when I was doing when I was doing the digital music recording, it was using GarageBand. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really natural progression right into Logic because it's a very similar interface, um, very similar in the way it uses the tracks and the way you control the tracks and master the tracks. So yeah, I thought absolutely. that was a very natural progression for people who use GarageBand. Yeah, I mean, Logic is basically just GarageBand upgraded. I mean, you have it. It's a lot more of a technical interface. It's a lot like because GarageBand's more like you know you just throw some instruments together and line up your tracks and like set the tempo and the key and then you got a song. You can you know they have like things like export immediately to SoundCloud and stuff. Lo Logic is more pro level and it is. It's not a cheap program. You know it's. $300. I think I paid $300 when I bought it. It's 200 now, I think. I just, oh, but nice. you, it also has a 90-day free trial out there. 
They do, yeah. And it's easy. You you can't get it from the Mac App Store. You have to search on um, Safari or whatever for Logic Pro Trial. But it is um, once you download it, yeah, you'll get everything for ninety days. And I mean, another thing with Logic and even GarageBand to consider is you need a lot of disk space on your computer because you got to at least have a few gigs for just the basic stuff that it comes with, the instruments and the effects and all of the plugins that it comes with stock. And then, of course, you know, you can get whatever you want for it on the web, and there's a lot of plugins out there. So many, yeah. And some of them can cost like 500 bucks or something. Like There's free ones, but it's a pretty large community I found. Any, uh, it's a, anything's a quick Google search, Google search away for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've definitely talked quite a bit about Audio Gear. I, I, you could get me talking for hours on Audio Gear, so. Same. Yeah, you know. Um, I'd like to know now, do you have any questions you'd like to ask me or just about AINC? Well, I ask you personally. Um, okay. There's one question I have as I'm reading things, um, given the nature of what I'm talking about. It really tends around talking about descriptions of people watching birds. Mm-hmm. When I'm someone that's cited reading that, and you're someone maybe not cited reading that, should I be changing that? Is that something I should be changing? Because it's really very biased towards a sighted person. And I almost feel somewhat guilty saying it the way is, you know, if you use, for example, when you see this type of thing, it's a description, you know, so it's, it's less description of, uh, uh, of the actual event, which might be helpful and more descriptive of what you might have referenced as another sighted person. Well, See, that's kind of a complicated thing. So if if it's if you're trying to describe a lot of like images and a lot of visual content, I definitely say describing it is key. Like, you know, if there's an image of like a landscape, you know, describing it and just the small details. Like don't dive super deep into the image, but um what I'd say as far as really to answer your question is, you know, if it's stuff that does correlate to sighted, you know, people or whatever, um I would not I would not change it. I mean if it's the way it's written for any volunteer is um you know just the way it's supposed to be read basically. I'm with you on that. That's what makes me nervous about about changing anything. Yeah, so I don't change it and for any volunteer like don't if you're reading a newspaper or whatever don't add any commentary or anything, you know, personal into your into that show because you know it's just what we're basically just trying to get is the the new the content of the newspaper itself and transcribe that into an audio publication a real representation of what it says exactly well that would also go towards um article selection for me too mm-hmm. and making sense in that way i wish i had a more substantial question than that sorry that's okay no that answer that definitely is perfectly fine um yeah if you have any what other do you think about the art the art preamp the art preamp i've never played with one i actually want to play with one but how does it sound? Is it? I haven't. I haven't. That's the purchase I'm considering making soon. So, yeah, I have noticed um, at least in the sampling rate a jump in your sampling rate from when you first started recording to now. Like you have. So in the last uh, couple of months, I've been using borrowed microphones. Been using um, a Rode NT1. Wow. Uh, so and uh, and that one I I really like. That one sounds really good. And then the other one is uh, of course the. Uh, the other workhorse in the dynamic microphone range, the Shure SM7B. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And that's the one I've been using recently. It's really nice just for form factor. I really like the 7B. No pop filter really needed for that. It's, it's you know, I don't need to be, because of a an isolation stand, I don't need it to be facing a specific direction. I can be more flexible in how I set it up. Yeah, and it looks less intrusive. Yeah. Because, like, these um, in the studios, for I mean, for the real technical people, we're using Audio-Technica AT2020s. And they're decent mics, but they are very hot. And they are very sensitive to any wind noise. So we have to have a pop filter in front of each mic because if you don't, and this is one of the very, very rare examples where I show this because I personally despise this sound. You get this popping noise and you can hear that bassy thump in the recording. Any volunteers listening, do please don't send in recordings with popping. Just throwing that out there. But yeah, these are... Um, they're XLR mics, and most professional mics, in fact, every professional mic I've seen uses an, what's called an XLR output, which is basically just the, the three pins that, um, you know, they plug into this kind of large cable, and then you plug that cable into your interface or sometimes the soundboard, just depending on what you do. Um, a lot of... A lot of more podcast slash like YouTuber like centric or creator centric mics nowadays are USB, and the one advantage of that is that the audio from those mics is usually it's a lot easier to get set up and a lot easier to just kind of yeah, balance the sound. Yeah, and uh, actually, AT also has a AT twenty twenty comes in a USB model. Yep, and a couple of volunteers actually use that. It is a good one. So I'm still experimenting with microphones. Yeah. Um, if I was uh, had an unlimited budget, I'd probably go with the Neumann TL-103, maybe. I don't know. Wow. So I'm just, I've just been That's doing a extreme. lot of research on, on microphones. But, yeah, those can get uh, up into the pricey range, uh, 6 to over $1,000. It depends on which one you're getting. Yep. Although a lot of professional, like a lot of artists and stuff do use Sure, um, sure mics. Um, they're actually really popular among that seven uh, seven seven B is uh, really popular. Mm-hmm. Popular with radio hosts, even like it's a a very full range mic. There's a lot less EQ that you have to do like post production. One other one was the Electro Voice RE20. I've heard of that, but I've never seen one. It's one. It's uh, mostly for radio production. I see it mostly in that way, but it's uh, got good like the SM seven B has good off axis cancellation. Yeah. The nice thing about Volunteer Spotlight being such an open show is, I mean, you might, you know, it might just be one month somebody just talking about, you know, the show they produce. And then, you know, occasionally it's just going to be two two audio guys geeking out over audio gear in a studio for, you know, half an hour. But it's inevitable with any conversation with me, probably. Yeah. And me, too. So any future potential VOMs that hear that, just, you know, be prepared. But thank you for letting me have you on the show. I hope you enjoyed this interview, and I hope, um, I'm sure a lot of volunteers will actually be kind of interested to hear about all the audio gear, um, especially less technical people out there. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions if anybody ever needs to get a hold of me on that. Through, sounds good. Through AINC. Of course. Well, thank you so much, John. Thank you for the opportunity, and I uh, really appreciate uh, all the, the nice recognition from AINC. That was nice. Yep. And just as a reminder to our listeners, please be sure to check out all of our other original shows, including 
the newly launched Blind Level Tech. I should have put this in the beginning. Um, that is a show that our podcast producer, Jonathan, and I am producing. And it's a show basically where we get to talk about, you know, newly blind. You know, what tech do you need? How do you get set up with your first smartphone? What is a screen reader even, you know, and how do you get it set up? And we're going to have some fun tech demos. So, yeah, check that out. It's available on all major streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Of course, always check out Blindsight with Bill Lundgren and Aftersight with Penn Street. They're great. They are very great shows and they're getting better and better every day. Topic of the month with Kim Wardlow, our executive director, is getting a new name change. So I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be called in the next few weeks. But for now, it's topic of the month. Give Definitely check it out, especially, you know, even if you're sighted, you know, what it, if you're curious, you know, what it's like to be blind. I mean, we have that show has real blind people that have, you know, had experiences and that can talk about them. So check it out. Um, and to all listeners, thank you so much for listening to episode number three. It blows my mind that we're already on number three of AINC's Volunteer Spotlight. I'm your host, Evan Starnes, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.